I think COVID-19 gave me almost hope that they would finally see why there's good reason to say no finally. Because it's not like it was, it was a, it was never a good thing, but this is sort of the um, straw that broke the camel's back. From UW Tacoma, this is Pod Defiance. Welcome to Pod Defiance, where we don't lecture, but we do educate. I'm Eric Wilson-Edge, sitting in for Sarah Smith. Today on the pod, environmental justice, COVID-19, and an asphalt plant on Lake Washington. For this episode, we're working with the team at Voices Unbound, the project by UW Tacoma Assistant Professor Christopher Schell and Associate Professor Robin Evans-Agnew uses different methods, including postcards and podcasts, to get input on environmental issues from groups that are often ignored by policymakers. Evans-Agnew talked via Zoom with People for an Environmentally Responsible Kenmore's Elizabeth Mooney about the decades-long struggle to improve air quality in the area. Hi there, this is Robin Evans-Agnew. I'm a just, uh, I've been working on asthma and environmental justice for quite a bit, a long time at UW Tacoma. And during this time of Earth Week, in the middle of um, a- an emergency somewhat of our own making, uh, I'm reminded that the longer game is to look at the environmental crisis of our own making that will put us perhaps in certain ways in similar levels of desperation in the years to come. So perhaps this moment is a time with COVID-19 is a time to reflect on that. Anyhow, this uh, phone call I made with my friend, my, my friend Elizabeth is a partner that I've been working with ever since I started to work at UW Tacoma. Uh, why would someone from Bothell call me and say, hey, will you help us with environmental justice work? I looked around for other people that could help her, and uh, no one else really necessarily from the university community is interested in community movements in this, in this particular way, uh, environmental justice movements with very little chance of success, um, fighting um, uh, uh, what they consider to be toxic pollution, while the agencies around them are saying it's not toxic, it's not toxic enough, um, it's not dangerous enough. Uh, so I went out to work with Kenmore um, and the um, uh, the PERC organizations, the People for an Environmentally Responsible Kenmore, right around 2011, and tried to work with them to set up a way that they could organize their community to do an assessment of health issues in their community and uh, respond to that. And we ended up forming a strong relationship over the next couple of years, which resulted in a partnership with the Center for Urban Waters. And just about 2017, we took a group of young people out to uh, Kenmore to actually test the air quality in a one-day moment. Uh, but it had a lot more political significance and movement significance for the folks in this small environmental justice community. So this phone interview is in large ways a, a story about, um, about this work. But it's also a story about hope. It's a story about um, uh, people who struggle and fight for air quality um, over the long term. Um, and these are people in Washington State who have a great deal of energy 
and are doing it for free uh, without any kind of uh, without any kind of reward except the end goal of improving air quality. It's particularly striking to me right now, having seen email, uh, information come out of a couple of studies now reporting how communities that have been impacting impacted by air quality and poor air quality have more chronic disease. And these communities might actually be more at risk and vulnerable for um, exposure to and um, morbidity and mortality from uh, COVID-19. And in fact, the community of Kenmore is largely populated by um, uh, older uh, generation of people, uh, retirees largely, uh, a lot, lot still living in trailer parks. Uh, these are retirees of color, and these are also uh, uh, low-income families of color um, in small pockets inside Kenmore. Uh, you don't necessarily notice Kenmore as you drive through it on the way to Bothell and the bright and shiny lights of uh, uh, our sister campus up in the north and uh, McMenamins and the swimming pools and the canals. Uh, you kind of forget you've just driven through a big strip called Kenmore. And on your right-hand side as you're driving to Bothell, there's a massive uh, cement and asphalt plant. Uh, that's the last remaining big industrial infrastructure on the shores of Lake Washington. So anyway, this uh, short interview is just uh, just a tip of the iceberg in terms of the work we still have to do uh, for Earth Justice and for uh, Earth Week. All right. Thank you. I have with me on the call today uh, the most amazing person, Elizabeth Mooney, from Perk, Washington. Um, Elizabeth, can you uh, tell us a little bit about what Perk, Washington is and uh, what your work has involved? Um, thank you so much, Robin. It's a pleasure to be able to talk with you and others. I am um, president of Perk, People for Environmentally Responsible Kenmore, and we live in the city of Kenmore, Washington, at the north end of Lake Washington. And we formed in 2001 in order to protect the environment in a reasonable way and to educate the communities about um, clean air, clean water, and, and participating in um, the community through schools and council sessions and um, just trying to make our world a little bit healthier. And, we had quite um, a challenge here in Kenmore when it incorporated in 1998, and we had just moved here, and we learned that with its new incorporation, they were destroying wetlands in order to build dense, denser housing developments. So I got involved back in that period of time when our neighbor's um, wetland was being destroyed in order to um, have an L.A. developer um, build too many houses on um, too small a lot. And that led to um, our schools getting involved because there were a lot of parents who were scientists in various scientific fields. And I just had the opportunity to um, just meet a lot of very smart scientists and caring people who um, helped us all form the nonprofit um, after a lot of efforts to try to save a wetland and um, have a conservation easement. And that led to other environmental issues. And um, that's, that's so, so amazing because I didn't realize that you started in 2001. Um, 
we got to, I got to know you in around 2011, I think. So, I don't know how you reached out to me, but you're reaching out to someone at UW to help you with this present environmental justice concern, which was all about the plant, right, that they have. The last remaining massive industry on Lake Washington that no one has heard about. Yes, and I was very lucky because my daughter had just finished nursing school and you were the inspiring speaker at the awards ceremony. And (laughs) we had, at that point, we had learned that there were bigger problems in Kenmore that included this um, unmonitored asphalt producing plant and some people who were living right near it ended up being part of PERC, um, in particular, a woman named Janet um, Hayes and um, Kate Donaldson and, and, and uh, Patrick O'Brien and Steve Caldwell, who had been a former mayor. And basically, thanks to the, the um, participation of the, the STEM camp from, um, and, and your help, yeah, that we was made and, a big and that difference. was that was another six years later that we were finally able to get a team of kids out from University of Washington Tacoma, and in in the space of one day we brought air monitors up to up to Kenmore because you've been asking the Puget Sound Clean Air Agency, you've been asking other people to monitor the air quality in Kenmore because you're convinced that the fumes from the asphalt smelter. That, that are wafting up the hill are um, a threat to the health of the people that live in Kenmore. And there's a lot of retirees, that, right, that live in Kenmore. But there's some families and low-income children and a bunch of other people that live in that area who were affected. Yes, absolutely. And it's right by the Burt Gilman Trail where people walk and ride their bikes. And, yes, there there was a, um, Ostrom's... A, there were people who were calling to say, this is nauseating. I smell the fumes and what can I do about it? And the citizens were frustrated because they couldn't understand why calling the agency, Puget Sound Clean Air Agency, why they couldn't stop the injustice. So, Right. You were just um, we, caught in this tangle of bureaucracy. And so we had our math, <laughs> math science, because I stayed in touch with you. We, we had our math science leadership program at that time. The, these, are high, these are middle school kids. Uh, but we uh, working with the folks from um, Science and Math uh, Institute at UW Tacoma. We brought up air monitors and we set them up on the hill and we uh, looked for signs of um, uh, exposure and found some found some uh, found some readings up on the top of the hill, especially where it, where it pooled. And we presented our results to the mayor. Had a conversation with the mayor. I don't know whether we moved the mayor along at all, but um, we still kind of ended up with a sort of stalemate where. Uh, the 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 asphalt plant was still there and still operating, right? That is exactly right. And you did move the mayor because what I remembered, Robin, from that um, luncheon where the kids came in with um, their their counselors was that they asked our mayor, and he's still the mayor, Mayor David Baker. They asked him why we did not have monitors on that asphalt and uh, concrete companies stacks and. And um, he said, because at least this is what I remember, he said that we didn't have the resources. And thanks to your, um, your inspiring him and the kids inspiring him, recently, um, about a year ago, Microsoft was at some big city meeting and they were talking about how they were going to have a pilot project in some cities to um, monitor the air. And our same mayor, David Baker, did offer 
uh, to be a part of that study. So That's thank you. Right. I remember, and I remember the mayor saying, explaining how he was sort of trapped between not being able to get the funding to start it. It was some crazy bureaucratic tangle that he was in. So they got the air monitors um, and all of a sudden, and, and so that project is ongoing with, with the Microsoft uh, Maple Leaf air monitors, very, very exciting new kind of technology that Microsoft is experimenting with. Hopefully we'll get some data because I think you made us a, a data records request from them. I did. I did because I called our mayor as soon as Governor Inslee um, announced to stay home, stay healthy. I called our mayor um, the next day and our city manager to ask them about uh, the air monitors and also to ask about whether the asphalt plant was going to keep working. And one thing um, I was surprised by is that we don't have at least from our mayor, the results of the uh, Microsoft air monitors. And um, I learned that I needed to ask for them. So uh, just yesterday, I did put in a public disclosure request to find out if there is any data from those air monitors. And um, I did get a picture from the mayor of where one of those monitors is. And it's a sort of a little um, inconspicuous maple leaf on the top of a bus stop that's at 68th and Bothell Way, right by the Rite Aid. Uh, so I don't know how many uh, locations they put them in. I don't know if they were as strategically located to get at the source of the plant as, um, you know, uh -huh. the project that you helped us with. Um, but, but, it, but, yeah, so so that's sort of like an ongoing data collection issue. But so, but tell the story now about how, with the COVID nineteen and the governor's declaration around the shutdown of um, shelter in place, how that kind of moved this this other thing that's been happening with with the asphalt plant. Well, I I I have been keeping up on the on the coronavirus since. Um, since a UW professor gave us a talk um, January 27th. He's an, and so I knew that this was something coming and I've been, um, it's a professor Bob Coombs that you may okay. know from UW. But anyway, what happened was um, I think I was just pretty obsessed about, you know, what's coming and is there capacity at the hospitals and then one of our friends who was at that talk um, happened to, his wife happened to get COVID. So I was pretty primed to worry because I knew it was so close to us here in Kenmore because Kenmore is so close to the Kirkland facility where um, yeah. she either sure, contracted sure. it. Um, she's also a nurse though. So I knew that she had all of these, you know, ways of staying healthy. So uh, what happened is, I heard um, Governor Inslee speak, and I got pretty um, uptight about the whole thing. And then the next morning, I just thought, you know, wait a minute. What about those asphalt fumes that are always bombarding us? And um, I called the mayor, and I called our, and I emailed our, our city manager, and I said, is that essential? Because I don't think it's essential to have asphalt um, you know, going through and, and uh, 
putting asphalt down on driveways, I don't think that has to be essential. And those are the fumes that are the most obnoxious. And then I called the neighbors who are most, that are closest to that facility. And I asked them what they thought. And um, one of them said, now don't forget, there's also silica dust that comes from that facility. And I don't think they monitor that. So basically what happened is then I called um, our friend who's part of the climate change that uh, the city's climate change group, she got the city to get involved in that. And she suggested specifically, you need to go through the email to the governor's site. So I stopped making all my phone calls that are, I tend to try to make phone calls. And I, I did contact um, Jay Inslee's office through that site, which they had made public. And, and she also suggested that I try to Twitter it. But anyway, the long story short is I really wasn't sure, and I wished that I had had more savvy tech people to help me. Um, that's what I lack is, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people who know how to get the social right. media out and get the newspapers going. But what did happen is then the next day I called those same neighbors and said, do you see something happening down, down there? Because usually the fumes come up at about 8 o'clock, 7.30 in the morning. And so Kate and Patrick, and um, they told me, as far as I can tell, I don't see anything. And then I doubled, I, I did call back with an email and she said, oh no, my neighbor sees something coming up there. And um, so maybe it hasn't closed down. But by the, the second day, I'd say after he made that order, Kate said that she hadn't seen anything happening or smelled anything. And so we were hopeful with, and so with guarded optimism, we hoped that it had been deemed non-essential and that they had quit. However, then, you know, just trying not to jump the gun on this, um, my family, my husband and daughter went biking on the Burt Gilman Trail that's right beside that facility, and they thought that they smelled the fumes. So um, all I can say is that my email back to the city manager, I think it was the day before yesterday, led me to believe that they're still doing a little bit of that bureaucratic <laughs> um, right. system that I can't quite figure out. I don't know for sure that it's been closed. Um, that worries me because I figure once it all opens up, they're going to start chugging away and we will have not gotten organized. Um, but it, it is true that the fumes, that you used to be able to see from Bothell Way, the state highway there in front of it, have not, nobody's seen those happening. So, right. so, so it's a little, it's a, it's a glimmer. It's a glimmer of hope in this 20 year <laughs> struggle to try and um, uh, eliminate the air quality impacts um, of uh, the last remaining uh, heavy industry on Lake Washington. And, and um, it, it really is, it, it's, it's, the story's not over, um, but, but I thought it was really important to share for Earth Week that, that the struggle for environmental justice is, is continual. Elizabeth, how do you keep your energy going? 20 years fighting for a cleaner Kenmore. How do you, how do you keep going? Well, I think I was really encouraged by, um, I, I think, governmentally closing down um, non-essentials, I think gave us all hope that we wouldn't get COVID. But I think what just happened is, you know, whether good things happen when you go to sleep and wake up the next morning, you know, the people around here are friends and they are um, closer, but we, we've given up hope often, but we have been um, blessed with 
three very, uh, there's three new council members who saved a wetland at the state park. And um, one of the people that helped with that, that gave me new hope since we saw you and all the kids come up here three, three years ago. Um, she just has, uh, her name's Tracy and she's younger. She has um, a kid that loves the environment and um, a mother that has helped. And so I was um, contacted by her last summer and so she gave me hope that we could have some success if we just started up with a strategic system. She gathered some kids and parents from a camp, an environmental camp. So she gave me hope that we wouldn't just be barking up a tree anymore if we did it in a strategic way. And so my hope is that through social media and young people and people with school interest and, and want and people who want to lead a cause in a, a successful way that somehow we could get the word out and, um, you know, have uh, some help from people that, that care and that know how to do it in, in an effective way. You know, we used to talk yeah. about putting up protests and, but I've always been just too afraid, you know, I don't want to have, I it really, truly, I've been afraid because even some of the neighbors that used to um, complain with YouTubes, they got hate mail and I'm sort of a scaredy cat about things like that. And, and that's not a great trait. That's not something that I think I'm very proud of, but um, with a team of people, I, I feel much more emboldened. <laughs> yeah. So I was, it's a wonderful that's what I'm hoping story. for. It's a wonderful story, Elizabeth, and, and the struggle continues. Um, but thank you for sharing the story on, on Earth Week. Uh, I think it's important for folks in our University of Washington Tacoma community to know that our reach is, our reach is far. Uh, we're working all the way around Puget Sound area across Washington State. And um, in partnership with community groups like, um, like Perk of Kenmore, um, we're seeing some glimmers of light um, inside a, a, a dark time with uh, COVID-19. So I, I just appreciate an opportunity to talk with you. Um, thank you yeah. very, very much. Me, me too. And, and you know, the irony is that I guess, um, to be clear, I think COVID-19 gave me almost hope that they would finally see why there's good reason to say no, finally, because it's not like it was it was a. It was never a good thing, but this was sort of the um, straw that broke the camel's back. And so I'm hoping that Governor Inslee will help us, and um, that the communities all around this greater area will band together. So w please, I welcome everybody to come up here, and I'll come down there. and And thank you so much, Robin, for um, letting me tell a bit of the story. Thank you to our guests and thank you for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm.